Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Trap Draw podcast. My associate Big is uh, is taking the day off. In lieu of him, I have my other associate, Mr. Cody McBride, the Sarge. Cody, how are you? We are here. Kind of bummed right now. I've been waiting like an hour and a half for a DoorDash order, and it still isn't here. So I'm kind of getting a little hungry. Mm. We'll see what happens. Cody, I need you supporting local businesses more than using DoorDash. You know, I am. You go uh, who's going to give me the food? You you need to go get it yourself. Well, yeah. I agree with that. But the you know the the cost of fuel right now, I feel like if I'm getting a deal on delivery, then why not? Plus, well, there's just so much happening in this world. It's like as soon as you like check out to do anything, it feels like you're like two hours behind on whatever it is. I can't keep up. Real quick, we'll we'll shoot it to Mr. Jeezy. We'll be right back. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Mr. Jeezy. Before we get to, we got a lot of topics to cover today. We're actually going to do a little bit of golf today on this podcast too. I want to talk about Roback. We've been talking about him a lot. Uh, I just, Neil and I and Casey are just putting in a big order for the fall. Performance polos, they fit great. Their prints are unbelievable. They're so clean and crisp. It's amazing what they've been able to do there. Their quarter zips are a game changer, especially as we get into you know, order them now and get into fall golf, you know, or some of those, those Northern climates where it, it can get a little chilly at night. And then, uh, their performance hoodies. That's, that's the one that I really like. I wear it pretty much every day when it's, when it's chilly here in Florida, uh, softest, stretchiest hoodie in golf. We talk about them all the time. Go to the site. If you have it, roback.com that's R H O B A C K.com. Use the code trap T R A P for a generous 20% off your first order. Uh, and that's again, roback.com, 20% off your first order, polos, Q-zips, tees, all that with trap. Thank you to them for their continued sponsorship of the trap drop podcast. Sarge, where should we start? I don't know. Real quick on Roback though. Like it's an ad read, but their shit is, it, it's really good. Yeah. Yeah. Like, nice. I, I don't know what, what they're doing so different than everybody else, but it's, it's quality stuff we're talking about here. It's so comfortable. Yeah, this is hand, this you know this is it's not handmade, but this is high quality shit we're talking about here, folks. And man, uh, what a world we're living in right now. I know this isn't a golf podcast, but what, how you feeling, TC? I'm uh, I'm feeling like I got some loose ends, right? I'm I'm just I'm feeling a little bit stretched thin, a little bit tattered. I can't imagine how they're feeling over it. You know, down the road at Tour HQ, Big Big J, not having a good week. I, I guess there there hasn't been a whole lot of comms coming out from upper management it's just been like hey we will we will fix this thing gene we will beat this thing but yeah overall i mean it's just you know it's like one thing after another and it, it some of it feels like parody but it's all fucking real right and uh i mean god like i you know i keep going back and forth i'm like does the could the tour have done anything like what were their cards to play when you're dealing with an irrational actor like this that just has a you know unlimited funds to 
you know, do this. But, but then that's where I get, I'm like, yeah, but like credibility and some of the just competitive elements, like, I guess it's all in the world golf rankings now and the, and the majors see what they do. But yeah, it just doesn't seem like the tour, like, you know, and maybe some of those cards are calling up the PGO guys or, or calling up some, you know, rejiggering the, the whole structure of the tour. Right. Um, but it just feels like they got to do something. Right. If you were like, king, king for a day starting tomorrow. Well, I am. What the would king. you do? I'm the draft king. Uh, yeah. I would probably, I would probably call up, you know, I would say, Hey, we fucked up. We, we need to change the structure of the tour. Right. We need to, you know, the PGL or whomever it is, if it's not the PGL, if they come up with their own investors or whatever, let's, let's do something where we put something on top of the, the tour. And it's basically like the champions league for the tour, you know, and you've, you've got the top, you know, it could be six events. It could be 16 events, but you've got the top guys. You got to listen to the top guys who have all told you, Hey, you're making us play too many events. The schedule is too unwieldy. It's, you know, it's year round. That's bullshit. Like, just like, I guess, just make it look like you're doing something right. I think that's the big thing. It's like, this has been percolating for three years now, at least we've been talking about it since God, December, January, 2020, you know, and it's June, 2022 now. And, you know, before we caught wind of it, I'm sure it was percolating even more. Like, like I'm rooting for the tour at this point. I mean, it's, you know, it's not like, but I don't think that absolves them from being, complicit and like why we're in this spot that we're in right like they've when you say that you're rooting for the tour what do you actually mean i just mean like i want to see like there is a history and there's legacy there like i want to see you know i want to see riviera every year i want to see the best names teeing it up there i want to see you know i would say tory but i'm fine with not seeing tory um i want to see pebble i want to see you know like i want to see those those events and i want to see the best players in the world playing together for longer than or, you know, for more weeks than just the majors. Right. Yeah. Right. Like the, the majors would be supercharged, but it just feels like we're, we're headed. Like I saw it earlier. It feels like we're headed to like something where, you know, I know there's all sorts of cricket comps that we talked about in the past or like IndyCar and cart, like that stuff or like the, like the, the Indy 500 still matters, but like the best drivers aren't there. Right. Like those guys all went over to cart, I guess, or like, I don't even follow it, but like a lot of them go to formula one or, you know, like it's just, it's going to be highly fragmented, right? Which I mean, for our business, probably a good thing. Like in the short term, it gives us a chance, like people have to pay more attention or, you know, have somebody kind of guide them through, Hey, here's what the hell's going on here. There's these five tournaments this week or whatever, where, you know, instead of just knowing, all right, the PGA tours in DC this week, the PGA tours in, you know, the quad cities this week or whatever, but yeah. So on that level, like, you know, like I think for the long-term health of the game, it, it sucks, right. It's going to make it more fragmented, more, you know, it's just not a good look. Right. And it makes it harder to follow the game. And, and when the best players in the world aren't teeing it up against each other every week, which you could argue that that's not happening on the PGA tour half the weeks anyway, Yeah, which is part of is. the problem too. Right. But, it, but it's like, you know, even the stuff that the tour's done, like create the WGCs, like the WGCs are an abject failure. Right. I mean, like what, like, but instead of actually fixing them or giving a shit, they just keep going. Right. They just keep cashing the checks and everything like that. And it's like, there's been so much like, like all the stuff that we've been complaining about for five years, the TV product, the app, the FedEx cup is convoluted. The, the president's cup stinks. Like, it's like all this stuff. It's like, instead of fixing it or trying to make it better, it just, 
it's just band-aided and band-aided and band-aided. And it's like, at some point it gets so far removed from like just the golf itself and, and, you know, the product itself. I mean, shit, even like venues, right? I mean, yeah. Outside of Firestone, <laughs> shout, shout out to the hitters there, but yes, I agree with you 100%. It feels like, you know, the PGA tour is like that cool 68 Ford Mustang fastback that, that your neighbor is always tinkering with and takes it out. And you're like, wow, like I, I, I really want to drive that thing. It looks awesome. It's a cool old school car. You don't realize that, you know, that thing when he, he's probably the original owner of it, treats it real good, drives it wherever he wants to take it. But year over year over year, there's more rust from mm -hmm. sea salt or wherever else you're taking it that's generating. It's starting to fall apart. It's breaking down. You had FedEx come and slap a new engine in it. You had some other sponsor come along and maybe put some new wheels and tires on it. But at the end of the day, it's still like this old car that's literally falling apart. Yeah. And, and for as long as it's been going on, like why haven't, and I know this is all, this is purely financial. That's 100% what it is. And like the tax breaks that, that are allowed based off of the current 501c6 that the tour maintains. But when you see like a freight train coming down the tracks at you, at some point in time, I mean, there's so many smart people that work in and around the PGA Tour that are tied to products, to events, that this matters. This is their livelihood, yeah. that they weren't like, yo, like, we got to figure something out here. Instead of, like, they took the defiant route, and I understand, like, a, you could say, and a lot of people did say, like, to Jay when he came out and was like, we care more about legacy than than whatever else, like, Oh yeah, good speech, I guess. Until you realize, man, There's structural issues here. That yeah. might—that's okay, being like your outward-facing statement to people. But if you weren't working your ass off in the back, trying to get your troops mobilized, ready to fucking attack, like it's nothing. Because threats, th threats don't do anything when people literally have. Well, sometimes it makes people they more defiant, right? right? It makes them, and then like when you're threatening your own members. Like, I think that's the other thing too, is like the guy, the wrong guys are getting rewarded, right? It's like all the shit bags, like Bryson and Patrick Reed now. And, you know, it sounds like, like Wolf and Pat Perez. And this is know, where I'm I, sure Kokrak like, yeah. nets out. Like, like there's going to be a whole nother wave of guys that go for, for, you know, Portland. And then it's going to get easier and easier to go leave for this thing. And then at some point, like, then the PGA, then, you know, if they do pick off a younger guy, like a, you know, younger up and coming guy who's got some status on tour, but also has a really, really promising feature. Then they're basically daring the majors to not let that guy in. And then the majors them? are, and then the majors are diminishing themselves. Yeah. Like they're, they're forcing the, like the five families to do their job for the PGA tour. Yeah. And if I were all of them, be like, yo, like, what are you doing, man? Like, this is yeah. your mess. Yeah. Like, that's, you need that's to figure this out. The other thing, too, is I think there's, you know, and then, you know, then then they can basically say, all right, well, the world golf ranking is anti-competitive because they it only allows four-round tournaments or whatever. Well, what about three-round tournaments? We're going to come up with our own ranking that, you know, also incorporates PGA Tour players as well. And then they could take that and say, all right, like, why don't we use this? It's going to get, you know, because, like, like them or not, like, let's say Ricky 
signs for this or like him or not like Bryson, right? Like people want to watch Bryson, you know, like he, he transcends golf. Right. You know, so I think it's, it's going to be fascinating at us open and at St. Andrews this year. It's just, you know, I, I don't know too, like what the, I just don't know what cards the tour has to play. I mean, I guess it goes to court and then they start, you know, lawsuits start going around, but it seems like enough guys have jumped to where like, that doesn't really matter at this point. Like they've made their bed and they're comfortable with it. And even if it, you know, even if the tour basically wins a lawsuit and they can ban these guys. All right, cool. It seems like they they're starting to get critical mass, right? It's just crazy that they didn't think of like their, their own handbook, their own charter. And look at the fact of like, if these guys just resign and they have status and they'll they'll continue yeah. to have status after after a year whatever it is whenever they decide to come back they can come back well and then as if they try to eligible. change the you know if they try to change the rules then it's like all right well these guys acted under these other auspices like you can correct you know like you could hold the tour to that right yeah i think just like the very structure of the tour too it's like the fact that peter malnati you know i always i know i always pick on him like has the same sway as rory as a member, right? Like you can't give either of them preferential treatment. And the fact that like part of the problem is like, you know, it's a non-starter. You know for, well, it's, well, first of all, it's a non-starter for them to say, you know, we want to have less events. All right, cool. Well, that's less earning opportunities for, you know, these guys. And so it's like, what's good for half the guys on tour isn't necessarily good for the tour. And that's the, that's the issue with this. And you know, and for so long, it, you know, might not be the case anymore, but for so long, like the only thing that mattered was like total purse size and total starts. Right. right. So the, the tour execs were bonused off of that. And that's the wrong incentive, right? That's quantity over quality. It's, you know, you get the bloated season, all of that. And, and I think they're, they're reaping the, the downsides of, of, of all that. So I don't know, it's going to be interesting. I mean, and just like, like on a live basis, like they can't even spell their own fucking players' names right, <laughs> or like they they couldn't hire better graphic designers for these teams, or like come up with better team names, or like it's just the whole thing's just like what the fuck, man. Like, well, there's so many know. questions on it. Like the team names, you got it, and and I understand. Like, are these the permanent captains of these teams moving forward? I don't think so. I, I understand that like, it'll be like yeah. a weekly draft, but like, are is Phil always the the high flyer captain? <laughs> yeah, I mean that's you know TBD, I guess. But and, yeah. and when you look like you know we talk of about Bryson and P and Pat Perez and whoever else wants to to come down, like, do they get a team? How how is this actually going to work? Well, it's, it's like it's going to be funny when a guy like Ogletree gets bounced after two starts and then can't go back and he's got nowhere to play. I mean, I guess he had nowhere to play anyway, but it's, I, I dug it, a little in on the Ogletree thing. So he played uh, an agent tour event last week. He was given a start in the live, the first live event right now, but he does not have anything else guaranteed moving forward. So it could be a, a one-time live event for him pending <laughs> how he performs. The other thing is just, is, uh, is how, I guess the Saudis haven't even applied for world golf ranking no points yet like so they're just not like they're just unconcerned with that i i assume that would but be you think about it. their legal case right because i think the like that like that's where they're going to nail the tour is the tour made a really really dumb decision a few years ago with the pga tour china 
right. made them just, you know, pushed them right through, didn't have a probationary period, granted points right away on that. And, you know, like this is where it's like, all right, like this shit's going to get fucking messy with the OWGR if they try to stack this against the Saudi league. But who like, who's kind of worried about OWGR points? I mean, t- like if you're Taylor Gooch, right? Like, you know, and, well, and like maybe- Gooch could, if, Co- if Gooch only wants to play majors as right now he can. And if he wants to jump out and go win a couple Asian tour events. But even the Asian tour points, they're, they're diminishing those. Right. So they're, they basically made it so that, you know, and the RNA has said, Hey, we're giving less spots to Asian tour and all that on in the heels of this, where I think the, you know, and he could always qualify like they could, you know, the U S open could change their, their stuff and say, but then, you know, it still comes down to world ranking on some level, right. You're making it harder for the guys. And that's where it's like, so they have to go through, you're giving preferential treatment to certain things. And on what basis, I don't know. It's just the whole thing's wild. And like, wonder if they're going to keep the Saudi international. I, I, I assume that goes to like a flagship event on the Asian tour. Right. right? Because, I mean, it still carries a, a ton of points with it. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, that's just because of the guys that... But, yeah, if you, if you strip away flagship status for some of these Asian tour events on the basis of not liking the Asian tour, like, right. that's going to get struck down in court. Um, Other thing that I was thinking of, too, is, like, we're talking about eight events. We're talking about a max of 48 people. Well, I think, yeah, eight events this year, but it could be 12 or 16 next year. That's one of the things that sounds attractive for the guys who have young families. Like, like I know Hudson Swafford talked about that, right? It's a big selling point. Yeah. And, and it seems like that side of it seems genuine. It's not like just a normal PR talking point of like, yeah. you know, like I, w- I would love to make really good money, obviously. They're not saying that openly, but have like be home time, twice time as with much. my family. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's, you know, We'll keep following it. We'll probably do an emergency pod on the main pod on maybe on Thursday or Friday night, you know, after the first thing. But it's just like the whole thing is just so everything's moving so quickly. Right. And, um, you know, now that guys have now the the initial guys have taken the heat. Now it's going to be like, all right, what's the who are the rank and file that are going to follow them? So and we haven't had the first even yet. Right. Hasn't even hasn't even started yet. I think if, you know, I think when it opens up, not only for big time guys who like eventually like we say they have all the money in the world, but like you can only pay out so much and people are going to start not getting these massive Phil, DJ, Bryson, you know, ridiculous paydays. It'll still be a lot of money. I, I, I know that. But when they start going after like I, I would be targeting the shit out of Corn Ferry Tour guys right now, like the easiest this guy in the world is like, you know, go after Harry Hall, who's like, yeah, lighting everything up, like clearly, like, you know, like, it, like one of the hottest players in the world right now. Yeah, like, can he? It, the fucking PGA Tour won't even let him into the Canadian event this week. Well, and that's the other thing. It's like, what you know, what like if if Keith Pelly said there's an out for him to basically dissolve the strategic partnership, go with the Saudis, like that would be a jujitsu move. Yeah, him on the tour, you know, because right now the tour just has them by the balls and they're going to make them the little brother, you know, more and more so really. God, they've diluted that product so much. Yeah. But I think where I get to is like, 
yo, like the PGA tour already has like two separate tours, right? You right. have like the WGC and the invitational circuit there. And then those guys will show up to four or five more events a year beyond those. And then you've got like the, you know, the main tour, right. And it feels like the main tour is more akin to like the corn Ferry tour. Like some of those smaller events are more akin to like the corn Ferry tour than they are to the, you know, Genesis Riviera events of the world. So I don't know. We'll see. Let's that's enough golf for the trap draw before we get to, we'll talk, talk some other stuff. You're tracking Cody talk Ukraine a little bit. We'll get a downrange update. Then we're going to talk airports. So uh, before we get there, let's talk DK. We got uh, from T to green, get in on all the action with DraftKings Sportsbook right now. New customers who place their first wager on this weekend's golf tournament of $5 or more will receive a free bet equal to the amount you wagered. If your first bet loses up to $1,000, uh, just because you are not on the course doesn't mean you can't have your shot at a big payday. Uh, they've got the DK fantasy golf contest. It's been interesting. All the guys WDing this week, kind of having to update lineups there. I had P in one of my lineups. Don't miss out on all the action this week at DraftKings. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today. Use code NLU at signup. New customers can place their first bet of $5 or more on the tournament. And if your bet loses, you'll get a risk-free bet back up to $1,000. That's NLU at DraftKings Sportsbook. New customers only. If your bet loses, you will get a free bet back for the amount you wagered up to $1,000. DraftKings offers huge daily fantasy sports contests for every pro event. Where next? Should we talk Ukraine right now, or should we talk? Should we talk other stuff you're tracking? Yeah, we can talk Ukraine. The slow, ever-evolving conflict that is Ukraine that that feels like it was on everybody's radar at the beginning, and typical news cycle like lasted like a week, and then started to slowly fade away and away and away. And now it's like still there, man. Putin's still continuing. <laughs> Clearly, just kind of uh, you know we're a couple months into this now but kind of reassessing where he's at and, and then the encroachment kind of seems to be over and they're just trying to restabilize what the 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 ground that they gained over on their eastern flank ukraine continuing to hold as strong as they possibly can be continues to affect the world i think we're gonna see this you know this tale specifically when we talk about like wheat and grain um and what the world actually is able to to process is is going to be long just because like ukraine is a huge exporter of yeah. you know basically not just wheat but barley corn like grasslands right every, everything and then i saw that the what like africa is kind of the new battleground for whether to take the oil or not yep like the eu's kind of choked it off and now it's it's Africa is kind of like, all right, well, like, you know, we'll buy some below market value oil here. Right. And not only that, for- but like, again, we have not to take this back to, to Saudi Arabia, but the Biden administration, it, it sounds like they're finally in a little bit better footing uh, going back to KSA to, to try to release some additional oil reserves. So we'll see what comes back there because the last time they tried, it didn't work out very well. Of course, I don't know why it would because they decided to stop off in Venezuela before they made their way to Riyadh. So it's, it's crazy. Which Absolutely was insane. Right now. Like them trying to, you know, use that 
sludgy, dirty ass Venezuelan right. oil that they don't even have the fucking infrastructure in place to to drill for anymore, right? Right. Crazy. I don't know. So- it's uh, it's interesting times. It sucks again. Like the whole "we stand with Ukraine" thing didn't last very long at all. But yeah, you know, it's just kind of frustrating. Like the whole thing of "we stand with yeah. Ukraine," which obviously. The, yeah, it, it, that's that's all it is. And kind of the same thing like earlier. It's just like we live in this cycle where it's it's hot or not. And like we, we stand here and we want to talk about things that should immediately be done. And then when there's like the world, like everything doesn't work like that. It's, it, does, it doesn't work like Twitter where like you can just turn it around in less than a day and, and affect all of this change everywhere. And people are like, ah, oh, it's too much. Like just move on like I, well, there's also it's just like too overwhelming there's temperatures in the middle between cold and hot right and cody that's why we track things here on the trap draw no i agree uh from a from a military perspective i know you talked downrange is it, is it coming out this week or no so next week next uh week. is going to be with a new york times author an actual journalist who spent like the first eight weeks of the ukrainian conflict on the ground in ukraine um mr seth harp he's a fascinating follow on twitter for anybody who wants to follow him but we're going to get that recorded and and get a a solid ukraine update what he saw what he experienced what he believes the future and how it's kind of going to shake out there uh as well as touch on other topics he he does a awesome job tracking government and specifically military activities not just overseas but also within the united states so um he's kind of been doing this long-term investigation onto activities specifically at Fort Bragg in North Carolina. So that's primarily why I reached out to him in the beginning, but we're going to get Ukraine this week on downrange is going to be awesome. TC. Listen, I'm a big boy. Now finally got my first sponsor. We're going to introduce them an awesome company that is very passionate, not just about golf, but making good clothing and supporting good people. And, you know, kind of fascinated with like not just golf, but all these different little pockets within golf and like for me it's turned into disabled golf and people with disabilities who can do these phenomenal things so they're doing a ton to, to support them so the company's awesome. mr ma out of austin texas can't wait to get them on board and then we're going to talk a little bubble whips which thinking about bubble whips you know what i'm talking about like the little hick- hickory yeah. limeade. i've never had a bubble whip that stayed straight uh, I don't know if that's part of their marketing plan where they can just continue to buy new ones after the things they're bend for, a little bit. They're for non-linear players. Right? For sure. Yeah. I mean, that's probably why my feet like line up way left. And my shoulders are like completely closed. Got to get the dew sweeper on that one. But that's what we got going on on downrange. But really, you want to know something crazy? So two days ago, and I know we talked about like these ISIS brides before. I saw that. Yeah. Did you see the girl? Yeah. From Kansas. I got to tell yeah. Ben to watch out, man. So a, a plea agreement. So her name is Allison Fluke Ekren. Basically entered a plea agreement uh, in which she it, it, she's going to she's going to prison for a long, long time. But she ended up pleading guilty to a single charge of aiding a terrorist organization. Now, in order to get this plea deal, she basically had to disclose everything that she did uh, since leaving the United States, traveling overseas, joined ISIS. Not only, uh, I'm not just talking about like ISIS in like Iraq and Syria, but like 
basically before they even like split from Al Qaeda. So the, her her story's crazy. Awesome uh, report on the New York Times for it, but basically in Syria she was a teacher. She ultimately made her mark. She became ro- she rose through the ranks of the Islamic State, commanding a battalion of female fighters and training more than a hundred women and girls, including her own daughter. All right, now why does that matter? She basically became like a legitimate fighter. She fought in uh, or had close connections to the 2012 attack on the the U.S. consulate in Benghazi. From there, she uh, moved a couple years later, a couple years later, up to Syria, where she ended up marrying a, a another jihadist, where they actually had a child together. Um, and like she was part of this overall recruiting of Westerners to come join the Islamic State. Mm-hmm. So part of her her teachings were not just to like everybody there who spoke English, but also somehow she was fluent fluent in Arabic as well, coming from uh, Kansas. She escaped the Islamic State. So yeah. when the U.S. coalition military was clearing through and, and basically picking up everybody, somehow she got through. She made it back to Kansas where she was planning like attacks on the U.S. homeland before ultimately, I don't know if she was like uh, somebody turned her in or, or if FBI finally picked up on her and, and you know, detained her where she's been ever since. Um, Wild. Yeah. So two children, first marriage so, in Kansas. So first marriage apart. in Kansas and then one and then one over in the middle east yeah yeah okay. she was an international student studied in turkey that's where she picked up her arabic graduated from college in like 2007 god then later married <laughs> she has six children total she had five kids in five years that's crazy that's uh yeah like i don't even know where to go with that All right well you get I'll say this. Do you know what the scary thing about it is that she's just one. We've talked about another one that like uh, was sending and attempting to have an affair with the, the, yeah, that was the congressman. From, yeah. From, <laughs> from Texas. Um, but there's like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of, of women like this that came from the yeah. United States that, that are doing the, or did the exact same thing. And, and from Britain too, right? Yeah. I, I mean, that's the other thing is that like, it, it's easier for people coming from the UK just because of travel in and out back and forth, meaning that you don't like, you don't necessarily have to fly. Yeah. You can figure out routes by ground. It's a lot easier to get through border crossings, everything else like that. But when you're crossing, you know, to get back to the United States, flying in, like how her passport wasn't flagged when she originally came back in, who knows, but crazy. I found it very interesting. Let's just go through, I think, where we left off last time. I think we had, you know, Randy and I touched on the Paul Pelosi charged with DUI. Not good. Did you see the the big uh, New York Times investigation on on Deshaun Watson? I mean, it's like even worse, like 66 different massage therapists over yes. a 17-month period. When all while he's... Like the Texans have in-house massage therapists, right? So, you know, this should be an open and shut slam dunk. Um, I don't know. Out. What's up with the football guys in the in the masseuses? I, I don't know. I'm not sure. It's, uh, you know, I think he might have had some bad teammates in the past that lined up all this shit for him. And then right. those teammates left and he had no idea how to do it himself. 
Um, but yeah, just, and like, <clears throat> I think it's even more credible because like some of these ladies that they talk to like aren't su- aren't even suing him. Like they have nothing to gain. They're just like, yeah, like, gosh, what else? Air travel is a disaster. We can we can get into that. Um, there was a big Axios report on that. Cheryl Sandberg stepped down from Meta. That's Randy's girl. He, uh, I know he was he was pretty pretty torn up about that. Sounds like there's a big investigation going on, market rigging, all sorts of shit with her signature on it. So not good, not good, yeah. TC. She's a truly like sick piece of shit. Listen, I, I didn't want to air him out, but the reason Randy's not on today, he's still he's still resting and recharging after the platinum jubilee. He had a big <laughs> big weekend celebrating the queen over there. Did you catch um, any of uh, the coverage of like the military parade and everything? I did not. No. I guess uh, Prince William's horse appeared to be like he- heavily sedated, like didn't pick its head up at all. And <laughs> you have him parading out there in front of the troops and and saluting the queen and everything else like that. And this court, this poor horse is just out of it. What are the like? So when you're overseas, like when you're stationed somewhere. And you interact with like British troops or Australian troops. Like, what are the what are the British troops like? Like, put them awesome. into buckets for me. They're so they're they're sweet. Yeah, yeah. I'll say this: uh, a bunch of like blokes. If we were gonna go lads versus blokes, like yeah. uh, really really good guys, solid chaps, dudes. Chaps versus blokes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Blokes. Okay. Who's whose troops did you not get along with? The French. The French. I yeah. think we've talked about that before. There's just um, everything is this kind of finicky. They, they, they got super tight uniforms. <laughs> You're like, what are, you, what are you doing out here, man? They have the best MREs, though. I think I said that before on here. So meals ready to eat. So when you're in yeah. the field for a long time, you don't have something to, to cook on. They're basically your rations that you get. Um, but outside of that and their fancy little wardrobes that they pop up everywhere, it, it's difficult. And I think it might just be like language barrier there yeah. too that like just kind of well if you don't understand me I, I have a hard time understanding you but yeah they were definitely the, the toughest uh cody have you been tracking any of the ysl the young slime life uh stuff no clue what that is uh it's the rapper so uh gonna and um gonna and uh what's his name the other the, the main dude fuck i'm gonna have to google it now uh Young Thug, they got arrested. Randy and I have been tracking the hell out of this. They got arrested for like racketeering, like RICO, federal charges, all sorts of shit. They are, um, there's been some some things come out, I guess, uh, Yak Gotti, one of their associates, uh, snitched. But this is according to George Chitty um, in, in Atlanta it, on Twitter. It's not quite that simple. Yak Gotti pled guilty when he and YSL Duke were caught with rifles a few years ago as they were on the way to a retaliation hit after a fight at Magic City, the strip club. Uh, if pleading guilty is snitching, then, then that's a high standard. And he said, by stolen, I should clarify, an illegally possessed cell phone at the jail, one obtained by another inmate. Gotti also used another inmate's phone the way prisoners make calls from legitimate jail phones, trying to disguise that the call was coming from him. And he was like, basically you know, trying to scare all these other people outside of jail uh, to and to basically destroy all these burner phones that people were using, you know, around town that would implicate YSL and all this stuff. So more to come there. I, I feel bad for 
feel bad for the youth of Atlanta that, that there's not going to be as much good music coming out this year, this summer. Uh, there was a Coinbase thing. DJ sent this over. Coinbase uh, has something. It's very, very dystopian that uh, they ask their employees to rate one another after every single interaction. So you can give them a score of one to 10. Those with lower ratings are deemed to have lower believability, uh, which coworkers are expected to factor in when considering whether to listen to them. You can't make this shit up. That was from the Prof G newsletter. Peer um, reviews, they're, they're effective, but not after every interaction. I mean, that's, that's a little ridiculous. Yeah. Let's see here. I just picked up a new book, When We Cease to Understand the World. I'll, I'll, I will report back, but it's supposed to be very, very, very interesting. Benjamin Labatut. So I was a finalist for the, with the National Book Award as well. So uh, more to come there. Probably do a book report on that with Randy. Um, you know, speaking of Atlanta, what, what's going on with your, your famous, the, the, your celebrity couple? Oh, the, uh, the, the Christie's. Chesley's. Yeah. yeah. Uh, whoever they are, the Chrisley knows best or whatever. Yeah. So it's a little tax evasion going on. Who yeah. I mean, who, who would have thought, man, it's always the ones you least expect, right? They're uh, so wholesome, man. Such exactly. a, a strong family bond that they have going on. Yeah. So yeah, that, that happened. Uh, you know, and then I, I saw your boy, Kyle Rittenhouse announced uh, he's going to Texas A&M, which he's really not going to Texas A&M. He's going to Blinn Community College, which is where Cam Newton went. Listen, <laughs> so, he's not my boy. You, you can take that away, okay? <laughs> I just want to make that clear here. Not my boy. I'm, mess I'm messing. Yeah, to be very clear, not your boy. And I just, like, Texas A&M just freaks me out. Just in it's very uh, Texas A&M of him to do that. Yeah. You know, when I was out in uh, Fort Worth, so I, you know this, but I'm moving south of Fort Worth here in a couple weeks, and well, not a couple of weeks, a couple of months. We had we had breakfast with Stern, and then Solly and I were on the radio show, and we're we're talking about it. And he basically was like, "Listen, I I need to know where your college football allegiances are going to be. So you have a couple months to figure it out. But I I need you, like this decision needs to be made. And my number one thing is like I can guarantee you, it's not going to be A and M. That's just not me. No offense to the hitters at the military academy or any of the egg guys out there. I just that's that's just not going to be the block I mean, that I'm on. Are you going to consider all options? Like, are you going to consider Texas Tech? Are you going to consider North Texas? Are you going to consider everything? You know, UTSA. Listen, Texas is a big place. I I'm completely open. We're going to see where the cards fall and uh, and go from there. Okay. Oh, I got more more updates on the YSL thing too. This is from a buddy in Atlanta. He said, "I read the entire indictment. They're basically saying that Young Thug was the head of a subset of the Bloods that did the." the entire organization's bidding in, in Atlanta, multiple murder, multiple murders ordered by him, lots of drug trafficking, potentially using record label as a way to launder ill-gotten proceeds. Uh, Gunna is supposedly guilty by association and has a stronger case, but certainly isn't helping his case that his bond was denied because he's apparently already intimidating potential witnesses. So going to be a fascinating, fascinating summer in Atlanta, especially because the, the crime rates are already up like, you know, I, I think the murder rate's up 30% year over year in Atlanta. Is this uh, a new mayor's fault? No, it's the old mayor's fault. Keisha Lance Bottom, she fucking, Neil's girl, she she left the place in disarray. What's uh What's Keisha up to now? I have no idea. She just like straight up, like she was, she had like very, very, very like ambitious political, you know, like 
future i think like I, I think she's a fraud but like she was very ambitious and all of a sudden she just like says i'm not gonna i'm not gonna run for re-election like there's got to be some sort of federal indictment or investigation coming down i mean atlanta politics is so corrupt like bill campbell the former mayor he was in jail um although the more like the more i think about it the more like shirley franklin actually did a really good job so anyway it's neither here nor there let's do our last ad read we've got precision pro we got some new new shit coming out from Precision Pro. I'm excited. The NX10. Trap Draw is brought to you by our friends at Precision Pro, the official rangefinder of NLU. Precision Pro's Father's Day sale is here. Get $40 off the recent Best Tech winning R1 rangefinder or $20 off the Best Value winning NX7 slope until June 19th. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think this is, you know, as a father, like I've been losing my rangefinders a lot lately just because I think I've, stretched thin i'm not sleeping well boys are keeping me up um so you know they've been very very patient with me as far as getting new range finders if it's your first range finder they have you covered with industry leading customer service free lifetime battery replacements and a 30 percent trade-in program and more head to precisionprogolf.com go to their official amazon store and save up to 40 dollars. if you want to check out the range finders in person head to your local dick sporting goods and save today swing with confidence hit more greens precision pro golf so good stuff there and then uh yeah some of the new stuff coming out too so i'm pumped um, nx10 is so good yeah, lucky to get my hands on it before and and all these like little accessories that they got coming down the the yeah. pipe with it it's going to be sick yeah uh so dip your toe in the water with an nx7 or nx9 and then you know graduate to the real thing when you're ready so um hey tc i just want to uh put a quick congratulations out to to um to Nick Cannon. All right. So, uh, recently been alerted that he, he's expecting him and his partner expecting his, their ninth child or his ninth oh. child. He has currently has two women pregnant at the same time. So it, it brings me around to like, yo, <laughs> how, how many kids is too many kids? And does he I have any feel kids with a, Mariah Carey. I don't know. I don't think so. They were just together. maybe adopted. Okay. <laughs> Nick Cannon. Uh, yeah, that's, I think, yeah, I'm I like, like, I'm good with two kids, you know, I, I know you're good with three. Um, yeah, so good. We're <laughs> arms up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah enough. Um, yeah, I, I feel like we just got to get it. I'm, I'm trying to search for anything else we've got. I finally finished Top Chef last night. I don't think you're Let's, a Top Chef guy. Listen, listen, I've been waiting for you to say this, to finally single signal to everybody that we can talk about this. And I know you want to do an actual perfect club on this, but yes. What'd you think of, of Buddha? Oh, well, yeah. Spoiler alert. But yeah, I was, he was my guy from the start on this season. I thought it was a pretty weak season overall. I thought the final was really, really, really good. Uh, Evelyn, the growth that she showed over the course of the season, um, just like truly came into her own. Uh, I thought Sarah gritty, you know, gritty as hell performance fighting back from last chance kitchen. Just a dog the whole time, yeah. just fighting her way through it but, all. But man, like Buddha was on another level. Like he was so doing good. like, you know, Michelin two-star shit. Like very, very, very high level, advanced, like, you know, very like, all right, this like, you've been a top level chef for 30 years type stuff. Um, so yeah, I was, you know, I was blown away like that, that, uh, that uh, dessert that he made with the, with the leaves on it, oh, like the pumpkin leaves. Uh, yeah a pumpkin this is my uh, tribute to pumpkin pie 
and the fall and you're like had you had to fight your way through a pile of leaves that looked yeah. amazing and completely edible blew my mind he uh i remember like the it was like the first or second episode he made like a spotted dick which is like a you know big big uh some sort of dessert in the uk i actually had it when we were at the rna and uh you know he made that and like blew everybody's face off with it and i was like all right like this is you know like this guy's got some bona fides so. It was it was truly impressive, heartwarming story. Uh, taught how to how to cook from his dad. Dad owned a restaurant. Yeah. Uh, it kind of like what you know, as an an immigrant into America, kind of what everybody like inspires to be. And that's you know just a phenomenal story uh, on him, a deserving champion. This season clearly has some flaws. I don't understand how this is Top Chef Houston, and we finish in Tucson. Uh, you might uh, like that doesn't make any sense to me. I understand that we finished some seasons at other places before, but like, why not uh, go back to Houston? Well, it, I think my, my issue is more. Yeah. I mean, a like why Tucson, I guess they just got a big fat check from it, um, which I guess it's a better, it's a good food city too. Um, not know, only that in Tucson, they showed off like all the government buildings. I was like, wait a second, what tourism like board is paying you just to come show the courthouse off that well that. And then like, it just didn't seem like they did a whole lot in Houston either. Like no. even the stuff in like it didn't really there was no connectivity with the the local scene at all. Like they, you know, I thought the Galveston episode was good on the when they went fishing, but right. Overall, yeah, just a weird, you know, kind of a disjointed season for sure. So uh and you know, hopefully Buddha doesn't turn into like Gabe who got oh no got, you know, after like like literally right after the final last year. So have you caught up on any of the the Showtime area show that came out? John C. Riley, um, oh. all about the Lakers dynasty. Oh, you know what? I know I haven't watched that yet. I need gotta to add it to your yeah. list. I got some travel upcoming. I've got some stuff to stuff to catch up on here. Um, yeah, John C. Riley plays there. Lakers owner Doctor Bus. And he is like perfect for the role. Uh, I talk about it. The newsletter, our newsletter is coming out uh, later on this week, but I, I wrote a little bit about it in there. But just a fascinating uh, look into because, I, like, that was before my NBA watching era. I always knew, like, oh, magic when magic came back in like, you know, the mid to late 90s. Uh, but if you had asked me before, I would have been like, oh, magic or bird, I probably already like always said, I don't know probably Larry Bird because of like the Celtics were, I thought everything. And then watching the show, like even though it's highly played up and everything like that, but completely changed me like big magic guy. Now who's your squad? Who's your NBA squad? Are you, are you, are you a Charlotte Hornets guy, Cody? No, 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 no. Were you a Sonics guy growing up in Montana? I was a huge supersonics guy. Like Gary Payton, Sean Kemp. I I don't know if I told you the story. I think I have before. Yeah. Yeah. Hawkins. I, I played uh, I played golf with Gary Payton uh, one time, which is is crazy in and of, of itself. But um, it, it was fascinating. Like Sean Kemp was the goat. Like, oh yeah, he could do no wrong. And then, you know, when they started playing shitty, and then I, you know, the nearest thing were the Jazz, just because you could you could go down. We spent a lot of time in Salt Lake City, so. Shout out to them, but uh, that we might need to hit up uh, Ryan here and try to figure out, like, there's a little bit of, uh, what is it, graphics issue or, or new logo uh, going on with your jazz that is, is oh, the not jazz are, too hot. The jazz are a mess right now. Quinn Snyder just left. 
said it was time to make a change. Uh, this Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert nucleus doesn't seem to be working. Uh, yeah, all sorts of things there. Although I, I've got confidence, Ainge is in town now. I think Ainge is going to, you know, he's a great GM in my opinion. Uh, yeah, Seattle needs a team back, man. That's uh, that's just you know, like good good basketball city. Seattle is. Uh, what <laughs> I forgot your Gary Payton run in. Can you tell that story or is that is that off the record? No, I'll tell it. So yeah. uh, just ran, <laughs> random coincidence. I actually was uh, I I was like at Michael Jordan's bachelor party and when he got remarried like recently. So it was, I was like 2013, I think 2012, 2013. I can't really, really remember the year, but I was at his bachelor party. Uh, and uh, you, were, at you, were, you were at the resort and his I was at the resort, but going on, right? Yes. Yeah. As one of the uh, personnel that were there that like was playing golf and uh, was kind of taking care of, of their special arrangements. I also was included in, in the golf activities, which then spilled over into other activities that they took part of during the bachelor party. So I just happened to be uh, in the same group as the glove and the, the glove was puffy at the time. So I, I don't know if you've seen him. Uh, yeah. yeah. Those pictures where you're just like, Whoa, like chill a little bit, uh, buddy, but yeah, play golf with him. He was horrible, uh, but had an, an awesome time and and seeing him interact with all their buddies and and MJ's interaction, uh, you know, it was kind of a, a weird like pinch me moment because these were all like the dudes that I looked up to because they're, you know, a lot of them will still be like on the greatest NBA team of, of yeah. all time, whether it's all stars or like, you know, or the Bulls, but it's uh it was a surreal moment um i was very fortunate enough we've actually had quite a few people that i had run-ins down there um so not just like mj and his whole crew but uh presidents from you know george hw to george w to bill and hillary all people that like just chatted up on the driving range and, and kind of asked what was going on yeah it's life seemed chaotic then but but now looking back at it you're like wow yeah it's like pretty surreal experience the uh uh how many guys were at at, at uh, mj's bachelor party there's 42 in total um not everybody played golf there was a lot of of extra straps that were just hanging around for the the late night festivities but yeah i think in total there's probably like uh 20 25 people to play golf was a madrashad there of course <laughs> of course and this is like at the time i'm trying to think if a mod was like golf channel morning drive a mod or for you still like was it back nine network i can't remember um but i think he i think it was like during his brief stint on morning drive but yeah he definitely was there i didn't even know he was on morning drive so back nine network was 2010 founded in 2010 operations started in 2012 and bankruptcy in 2015 or 2016 so this would have been right in the thick of that Yep. And I think he bailed on it pretty, pretty early on. Yeah. Let's see what else we got. Listen, Dude, we're speaking can... of like bailing, I, I have an update for you though. So I, I mentioned my hitters over at Black Rifle Coffee uh, a couple <laughs> episodes ago. Which so I, I read little... that letter. I read that letter. Yes. The letter was outrageous. It looks like it's some, crazy. You know, it, it looks like potentially not a very reputable shareholder. 
There is some concerns going on, not only with the chairman, but the other founders of it. Um, okay. And I have some boots on the ground uh, reporting. Uh, it's kind of a wait to report situation. I don't want to put too much out there uh, yet, but it sounds like it went public. They all instantly became like just flush with cash and basically do started doing whatever the hell they wanted to which is just crazy to think of. And now this company is still like, I, I'll, I'll say like I bought in pretty early and luckily like watched, watched this stock price continue to grow and grow and grow and grow. I didn't realize that's because like there wasn't any more shares to buy because like everybody within the company on the back end is just like, like garbling these up and holding them for themselves. And then everybody dumped at the same time. I saw it happening. It was just like, yo, we got to We got to get out of this quick. Um, it's, it's like meme stock adjacent basically. Yeah. But it's still there. And like, they're still like trying to act like it's it, it, like, everything's fine. It's crazy. You have people on both sides. So black rifle, uh, military or veteran owned company that, that still does and markets themselves to definitely be pro military pro supporting every conservative amendment that we want to tout out there. Uh, and now they're saying that like, uh, you have people on both sides of the aisle being like, oh, they're too, they've gone too woke. And some, some are believing now that they're too liberal and others are saying that they're like way out there. It's just crazy to see. What I will say is that I'm happy that I'm no longer a shareholder in this thing. Uh, got out while I can before yeah. the girls, you know, college fund went down the drain, but it's, it's nuts. But like I said, I will have more to report back because I've infiltrated the system. Okay. All right. Excellent. I guess that brings us, I think, to some of the airport stuff. We've got a lot of, you know, uh, uh, Cody, I'll be honest. I'm worried about you. Worried about you going to to the DFW area and falling in with the wrong crowd with with American. You know, some of the news breaking this week. First, first we had Casey Musgraves, who was on, a, I guess, a, a flight back from a concert in Spain. Hate she that. said, quote, I just ended my travels to and from my show in Spain on the most intense and honestly fucking awful flight on American air. It's extremely rare for me to want to come to a social media platform to complain about something like this. I know there are way bigger things going on in the world at the moment, but I truthfully just don't want anyone else to have this experience. I wish it was as simple as complaining about the broken seat that wouldn't recline for seven hours overnight or there being no Wi-Fi. Both of those things do suck. But it was the appalling and shockingly hostile behavior of a certain female employee, or sorry, of a certain male employee, the flight's chief purser, that I will be filing a massive complaint against, along with many other passengers that were subject to his extremely overblown, unnecessary aggression and erratic behavior. He made me feel unsafe and upset to the point of crying, and I witnessed another passenger he also made cry. The female flight attendants on board vocalized their own disbelief and struggles with him as well. At American Air, I will be going through the proper channels, but I need to make it extra known that you have a liability on your hands with this man. Gosh, let's see. We had another thing. I mean, the pilots union, like the Associated Airline Pilots Union or whatever, they basically came out and told people not to fly with, with American this summer. They said fly with United or Delta. American is not prepared to. What? Yeah, yeah, to deal with. Like they're not, like they're not operationally prepared to deal with crowds this summer. And then, yeah, we, we got uh, another thing going on with, with American that was, uh, you know, I guess somebody got, like this guy got tagged for shoplifting at DFW. And then they 
like and then dfw police like the the, the airport police sent something to american american id'd this guy so then they you know like against their manifest and then he landed in new mexico or phoenix then ends up eventually getting arrested because there's a warrant out for his arrest. He spends time in this New Mexico jail for like three weeks. And then it turns out that like his, you know, the Tarrant County, Texas warrant was totally bogus and American had fucked up with the manifest. And, and oh. I mean, it sounds like really bad police work, but he's suing right. both American, I think. And, and this other thing, I like all I'm saying, is just like America, we're talking about truly, truly sick, sick organization here. And I want to make sure that you don't get, you don't fall in with the wrong crowd, Cody. No, I've tried that once. I've, I've flown American one time in the last two years. Uh, it, we were delayed for like four and a half hours. And part of that could have been weather, but the other part of it is that like they just don't provide you like any updates at all. They're just like, yo, you're here. Like we have to, we have to keep you here and we're not going to tell you when you're going to go anywhere else. Yeah. So don't, don't worry about that. We'll not turn to American, that's for sure. But... I have been looking at United, and that's a lot for me. Very proud Delta Sky Miles member, but th there's a lot. I know that DFW is my home airport. Uh, the Delta options doesn't really give me a lot. I'm not afraid to fly Southwest, that's for sure. I was going to say, um, Southwest out of love is probably your best bet, right? For sure. Um, but I just think that, you know, maybe I need to look at another major airline and see what we can do. Yeah. I'm trying to think, any new, any new airports? This year, I'm trying to think if I've had any new airports this year that I've flown in and out of. I have not really. I think I did. Been in a, I've been in and out of DFW a few times. I went to Tulsa. That was it. How was, yeah. How was Tulsa Airport? Very good. Um, I don't know if this was normal procedures for them, but uh, there for PGA Championship week and they had everything dialed. So as easy in and out as you possibly can. By the way, pr probably better for this audience. I had a phenomenal week with my host, Bunky Parkins. This is coming off the back of, of the, the llama uh, one-year-old birthday party with the mariachi band and everything else like that. What a phenomenal host. Not only Bunky, but his, his wife, the kids, everything. Could not have been put up any better. Um, Love hearing that. And, Bunky's yeah, on vacation shout out to Bunky. down at the beach. Uh, Bunky did say that, you know, I, I referred to him as his, as his legal name once on the, on the pod. And then he said, you know, all these people looked him up on LinkedIn, yeah, tough following times. his wife on Insta. Like, don't, don't be a creep out there. Right. All right. You know, keep it, keep it in the trap drawn nest. Okay. For sure. Unless you're going to buy pillows, then you can, yeah. Yeah. Hit up the pillow company all you want. Exactly. Yeah. I flew, I'm trying to think I flew United to, you know what? I did go to New York. I went to Frankfurt airport i'd never been to frankfurt airport before the lufthansa lounge there the senator lounge was unbelievable johnny damon was sitting right next to me the senator lounge wow talking i think johnny damon might be a black rifle coffee a uh, big time yes he he's a big pga <laughs> meme supporter too you gotta watch out for yeah. that that crowd yeah, that, that that guy's a bad guy yeah the uh yeah he was talking about some, some pretty uh aggressive shit there uh we flew into portland air force one was there at portland yeah that's true. How that did that pretty, feel? That was pretty wild. Just like seeing did you say, hey, the, the, the king's here. Like you can, don't worry, Air Force One, you can stand down. <laughs> I brought my own security. I don't think I was the king at that point, right? You're I mean, just the young I prince. Was. Yeah, I was just, I was like the crown prince at that point. You know, <laughs> on the on the, on the uh, DraftKings stuff. I'm trying to think, I told Randy about the the train route I went on. I'm trying to think where you I had went. a big weekend though. 
how listen this is kind of what scares me about vacations we talk a lot about flights and and the ease because we're usually just flying by ourselves uh for business you and freddie had a, a great weekend we did yeah actually i took him yeah thursday we flew out to colorado um <laughs> yeah he's such a baby when it comes to walking far like he you know i'm like Dude. like we get out to the golf tournament golf tournament's right by you know so lauren coglin's playing in the in the colorado open uh the women's colorado open which is hundred thousand dollar first prize uh which is crazy uh so she's playing in that we went out followed her for a couple holes she started on the back so we walked to like the seventh hole followed her for like three holes or whatever had to wait for a few groups to come through At, like after like one hole freddie's like oh my god dad my legs are so tired da, 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 right. da. i'm like dude we like we haven't even walked a, a, like one hole yet and then meanwhile like we get done and he's like running around the parking lot or, you know, like you put him back in the car and he's just a, a tornado yeah. in there. And then like, and then he, so we, we land, we went to this like beer garden place that was near the course, just kind of waiting on uh, Lauren and Aaron or Lauren and, and Randy to, to, uh, you know, make the turn and kind of get, get towards the end because I knew Freddie wasn't going to last for more than like a, probably an hour out there. So then, then we stopped by a King Supers on the way to the course to get some water. And, um, uh, Freddie was like, I want hot Cheetos. So I got a bunch of hot Cheetos. Okay. So then like he, he must've eaten like a third of the bag before he realized he's like, daddy, these are too hot. <laughs> so then which King supers, by the way, disgrace, like uh -oh. basically like a worse version of Kroger's, which makes sense. Cause I think Kroger, you know, owns them, but I was highly unimpressed. It was like Winn-Dixie stuff. And then from there, yeah, then we drove up to the mountains. I took him through the Eisenhower Tunnel and then up over Loveland Pass. He'd never seen snow before. Got to see snow. And then we stayed We stayed up north of Brecken, like or up south of Breckenridge and Blue River. We, like rented a house up there, just like found it on Airbnb. Waited it out till it was like, you know, 48 hours before price came down and it was like half price and it was cool. It had a hot tub and great, like, cool like modern house up you know looking at quandary peak which is like fourteen thousand feet and uh and then when we, we had a bunch of tacos that night in breckenridge freddie ate too many tacos and puked uh i'm sure the belly full tacos of tacos and help. the cheetos yeah uh, uh and then yeah next day we woke up he's kind of like you i don't know if you told your puke story in oregon too but you guys got some sensitive some stomachs that, that wasn't so much sensitive stomach i think that was just like i ate you know so much at dinner i had old fashions beers wine you know aperitif i think we had port at dinner all that stuff that, that place was good that restaurant was solid it was like a foraged restaurant everything was foraged from nearby but yeah maybe it was too great. much fun guy for your belly i think i think freddie was also feeling the effects of the altitude true like the house was up at like ten thousand four hundred feet um it's not good for a florida boy and he's never been above like, yeah, like 5,300, I think yep. before. Yeah. Actually, I took him to this Meow Wolf thing. This like interactive, immersive art exhibit in Denver. There's one in, there's one in Vegas. There's one in uh, Santa Fe and there's one in Denver. And it was kind of like a family thing during the day. And then I, I assume like a bunch of people go there and like, you know, drop acid or like get on ecstasy i was just gonna at, say it becomes night. a rave at night yeah yeah and um but yeah it's like i don't know it's, it's tough to describe it was like this whole thing that they just turned into this 
this like weird art exhibit that's you know i mean you're, you're in there for like two hours there was like this section that was like pizza world and i don't know it was it was bizarre um and then yeah and then we got we got dinner with uh randy and aaron who does all of our events for us and or sorry lunch and then we flew back freddie had a bunch of meatballs in the in the centurion lounge in denver and meatballs and uh, cookies and he's like dada this is awesome like why don't we go to these every time we fly and i'm like yeah because like they're you know a they like don't exist everywhere b you know i'm like i'm not i'm not getting to the airport any earlier than i have to with right you, dude so uh no he was great though he's he's such a little champ and we had we had a great time did a bunch of legos can't really do legos around our house right now because yep. the little one will kind of eat them or what? everything just goes in the mouth i don't get it exactly so yeah but no great trip we're i was gonna bring them to boston next weekend but i'm just gonna come home i, I think we're gonna go to my parents house in atlanta instead it's just too much too much going on with the travel to you know travel with freddie and and like celtics are in town the red sox are in town u.s opens in town yep it's summer up there anyway so I'm, I'm excited to get up going to grand rapids this weekend which is is going to be a blast not only for the event but just yeah. grand rapids it's such a cool town in the summer yeah great airport too yep gerald, gerald r ford airport i did uh, Colum i talked about it a little bit with randy columbia airport that was a new one for me lately that was a good one but yeah that 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 was really it as far as airports go i don't think i've had any new ones this year i wanted to talk to you about like what your we kind of we kind of talked about it during the the last airports pod that we did end of last year uh um, yes you've you've been to some crazy crazy spots a lot uh a lot of interesting airports that like somehow used to be fully functioning like international <laughs> destinations that are now like either somewhat closed due to military occupation or uh uh, yeah, Mil complete military takeovers or the fact that they're just like out of service now. Uh, and I, I'd probably put like Kabul, Afghanistan on that list. Yeah. Baghdad, Iraq on that list. Uh, Raqqa, Syria on that list. Uh, all places that I never would expect in my life, at least growing up to like ever fly in and be like a normal traveler. Are you in, are like, are you flying in to some of those places on like a commercial flight? Uh, a couple of them were like via commercial airlines. A couple of them were like government chartered aircrafts. And it's always interesting. Like I used to travel through Istanbul a lot. Uh, Turkish the, airlines? Or? Yeah. Um, which is a phenomenal airline. The issue is, is that like Turkey, which is an ally of the United States, which, you know, we have a lot of allies of ours not a lot of nato allies but then they became like you know started to surveil every american that was coming through specifically ones with like special passports mm -hmm. uh, in which i was flying on so that kind of changed things and instead of going north and and around i had to start going uh south and around so i did a ton of dubai abu dhabi um stops but you know it, it's fine if you want to change me out from like Turkish Airlines to, you know, any of the other Emirates or or something like that, like Qatari Airways, like cool yeah. because they're usually way better. Yeah, what's your what's your power ranking of of the like the three Middle Eastern heavyweight carriers, Qatar, uh, Emirates, and and uh, Etihad? 
Well, I've only flown Etihad a couple times, but I would say that they hold like a strong number two. Um, man, actually, I don't even know if I want to put them in number two. Emirates is really good. Um, and are you flying up for like, are you flying in one of the little suites? Are you flying in one of the like the, the, the it all the depends first on class how, business? how long? Yeah, yeah, all depends on how long it is. Um, but usually everything, you know, hop up to JFK and, and take out from take off from there. Um, and I say how long, not like that individual leg, but how long your actual like travel day is going to be. Yeah, that, that was like all the Middle Eastern stuff. I, I've never like been more scared in my life of like being in secondary security in like the, the international airport in Abu Dhabi and like having, you know, traveling with, with guns clearly locked as, as TSA makes you in a, their own separate gun case with no ammunition or anything else like that, but like carrying other documents and, and things on my person and like sitting there answering questions about like, yo, where are you going, man? Like, why, how come you don't have a return flight? Um, where what where happens in that scenario? Like, like, is there like a button that you can press with the government? That's like, no. <laughs> hey, no. like you, hey, I'm in some tough shit. You got to save me here. No, I mean, that's all like you, you, we go through like training and stuff for that. And there's different uh, there's different escalations of it. But like when you're flying through a country that's like at peacetime, um, it's like in that in existence, it would be classified as like peacetime governmental. And you, you just basically, you, you've done nothing wrong. You're not trying to do anything. They're, they're a, a partner of the United States. They, they are an, an active and willing uh, ally of coalition activities that are going on in the region. You have the proper documents uh, that says that you can have this. You know, a lot of times you just are flying uh, through on that, that JFK flight that happens to land at like two in the morning and you just have somebody on customs on the other side that's just like yo gringo like what are you doing man like why do you have this shit probably the same way that i would be if i worked at atlanta or you know any of the other major uh flights that are you know airports that are coming into but uh coming back into the states what's the what's your assessment of of customs like do you have to go through immigration or do you just show your special passport and they kind of wave you through when you come back to the states Everybody goes through immigrations. It it's all about like what you're actually out doing. So if it was like just straight, you know, normal DOD work, you're just traveling on like your your military ID and orders, and you go through the standard line like everybody else. Unless you have a uh, what what are the 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 programs that they have? Not pre-check, but global uh, entry. global entry. So yeah. you know that was kind of a we were quick on the global entry just because we, we realized how much time it, it would yeah. save us. Um, and then as you like continue and, and like I said, there's other passports that are out there for, for government officials, you kind of get expedited around. So it's not that bad overall. I think TSA does like a really good job coming in to the United States. Like you just got to avoid Maybe the sometimes like, like, you know, going into like Miami or Atlanta at like 4 PM. Right. On a Sunday afternoon. Yep. Like that. Like, you know, and, and I mean, that's just goes back to like doing your research and trying to, to pick your flights out a little bit to, so you ignore all those hot spots. but there's, there's never been too big of an issue. I will say the majority of the times that I come back to the United States is all, 
uh, I would never get worried about being pulled into secondary uh, for anything, but like all the time I would pop, like people don't realize it when uh, they get the little, the little lint uh, (laughs) dusters out and like eh, everything, everything's going off and they're just kind of like, you know, Hey, like, what are you doing? I'm like, ah, I'm sorry. Like this backpack, I also used it for this. You can see on my orders, like it says that like, you know, I have this, this, and this, and, and we should be good to go. But that was always somewhat of a concern. It's always an explanation. Yes. Yeah. But nothing of like, oh my God, like what is happening uh, overseas and like going through and like thinking through your plan. And, you know, if you have like any sort of like cover for action uh, or or specifically like cover for status of what you're actually doing in a country uh, and just trying to get through undetected because usually it's just like a stop along the way and you kind of get snagged up. You're like, Oh shit. Like what, what, what do I do here? This is supposed to be one of the easy, uh, legs yeah. on it's this. Like, and it's and like, I'm just sudden, in transit. right? Yes. Not. Yeah. And that's usually where it happens because you start, like, you just kind of, you don't think about it. You try to blend in, you try to be just a guy in line. And next thing you know, some little thing that you think like 10 steps ahead of everything will stand out or will pop or, you know, you, you happen to wear the wrong ball cap. Uh, that's like a signal of like, Hey, look at me and, and you're in secondary. So then you get to play all those games. You ever go, uh, so like going to Afghanistan, for instance, you always go through like, like you guys went through Germany or you went through middle military East. Do you, do you yeah. go, do you go the other way? Uh, you like can you go, you know, like Singapore or oh, no, Tokyo no, no, no. or anything like that. No. Um, you know, I did a, a, I've done a couple of training exercises like in the, in the Pacific and then really in like, you know, getting over to not really Australia, but, but specifically New Zealand and then bouncing up uh, into some islands from there. Um, that was the only time that we would really start out and go West out of the United States. But it's just too long of a flight going the other way. And it's, yeah, it, it's almost like they've, they've simplified everything coming from the East coast of the United States. Like it's not, it's not hard to get to London by any means. Yeah. And then so, so would you typically try to fly through London or Germany instead of trying to fly through Middle East or Turkey? Like what's, yeah. like what's the strategy or just getting in at the right time where, wherever you're going. Yep. Uh, and you know, it's one of those things where like, not really leaving you know you don't want to create pattern so i'm not saying that everything is like uber like uh secretive or anything else like that but you don't want to create a pattern because you know that's how you just never know and and i know it might sound weird to a lot of people but like i would if i'm flying commercial i'd like you know do JFK to London, London to Qatar, Qatar to wherever my destination is. Uh, on the way back, I would do coming out, I would go to Abu Dhabi to uh, Germany or maybe up to Dublin and then Dublin into Atlanta uh, and just try to change it up so there wasn't a, a definitive pattern of, of where I'm at, where I'm going and things that I'm doing. And that's only for Middle East stuff. Like Africa stuff is a lot it's a lot more challenging because there's not a lot of places that you can fly into in Africa, uh, specifically like Northern Africa, Eastern Africa, stuff like that. Um, and basically you all just, everybody just ends up at like 
at Heathrow and you're just standing there looking around and you're like, well, okay. Like I'm getting like on Heathrow or like Charles de Gaulle. Cause there's a bunch of air France. Yeah. And then like, and then, and then KLM seems to have a bunch yep. of stuff into Africa. Right. KLM could, uh, I've never flown like a big KLM plane, but like all the, the normal, uh, size ones that they play, the seats are the worst. Like it could, it could possibly be, uh, one of my least favorite airlines. Um, I was, I'm always blown away flying Lufthansa within Europe. It, like it feels like you're flying like Spirit, and then you yeah. get on like one of their big wide bodies that's yeah. international, and it's like, oh, like this is nice, you know? Oh, this makes sense. Yeah, it's, like a, the, it's the, the kind of you know little puddle jumpers around around Europe are tough. Yeah, um, that's the same way like flying like Ryanair around some of the stuff that we were doing in Europe. Like it's so cheap and it's so quick, but I'm like, you're not you're not getting much out of it. I mean, you're paying more, I'm sure, for the shit that you're bringing along too than you are for yeah. the ticket, right? 100%. Um, dude, I've just, I got, I've been so frustrated with people lately. The gate lice, our friend Nick calls them gate lice. People that just, you know, they're in like fucking group five or something. Yes. And they're standing up there and, you know, or like the group one and two people are lined up and it's like, yo, like there's no reason to line up before your group is called. No, they're trying to rush, rush the breach, man. You got to be patient. This is, nobody nobody's going anywhere without you man no I, like we're all going to the same place yes you know i've also noticed this too on deep boarding is that lately we've had people from the back of the plane oh. like before the seatbelt uh like before we even parked just like sprinting up the aisle to get up first and like flight attendants not really doing anything about it. i'm like what the hell is yeah. this that's like, the thing Sally said that's the thing in europe like nobody waits everybody just gets up and it's like no like we're gonna like the fact that we don't like all the airlines could get so much more efficient if they, you know, and I know all this takes more infrastructure and all that, but like boarding from the front and the back, like dual yeah. boarding would save so much time. And, you know, like you could, you could reuse each plane for another, you know, flight every day, basically with the time Com you save. Completely agree. The other thing that we need to like the airline industry needs to relook at boarding altogether. Yes. Because it, it's just, completely broken there's too many special classes there's too many bunch of hogwash right i understand let's get people who who need help finding their seats in there and, and get their luggage situation but it seems like you're not even halfway through boarding and, and overhead compartments are already full people are trying to stuff way too big of over or uh, you know carry on luggage in it and then trying to play like ignorance to the fact of like oh i'm not supposed to have this you ever fly through israel uh yes i i i have um i actually have two uh tourist passports because one has a uh israeli uh, custom stamp in it and i can't fly like hardly anywhere else in the world because of it yeah um, basically they'll they'll flag that if you're flying yes so i'm a, a i have dual uh American tourist passports, normal passports. <laughs> I had to turn all my other stuff in, but yes, Israel. Huh. Very, very nice place. You find a Tel Aviv or Tel Aviv. I've been down to uh, Jerusalem as well. Um, usually we'd come in and out of Tel Aviv, but uh, fantastic place. Very good airport. Uh, what, what you would expect when there's like conscription in, in play where like everybody is, these are the rules. This is what's yeah. going on. Like, you know, heavy, very security. orderly. Pro oh yeah, for sure. 
what's the what's the airport like in Cairo? Cairo was interesting because I've flown international. I've flown so so they break it down in Cairo. It's, it's kind of weird because there's like you know the Middle East has all these different relationships intra you know Middle East. So country to country, you have all these different alliances and everything else like that. So I've flown in and out like actual international i've flown in and around the rest of the middle east and then i've flown like um basically from from cairo to europe cairo is the number one place where if you want to get something done at that airport you just pay somebody um it's very very easy like as soon as we would get off the plane it's almost like there's people there to assist you with like finding your luggage already and i'm like yo i just got off the plane man like why are we talking about luggage already i still have to go through customs and they're like no 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 please come with me sir uh, and you, you know, give them a 20 and they walk you around customs and you go down and your, your bags are waiting and you go outside and they're like, all right, have a good day. I'm like, awesome. This is great. What, uh, you ever fly through Ethiopia? Never. That cause they've, they've, they've invested in that one. Like they've built a big ass airport there, right? Yep. Yeah. I was actually talking, uh, to Nick a little bit about, uh, African airport travels, Nick Kelly photographer. Yeah. Um, and I think he mentioned Ethiopia and like these massive improvements and like how kind of luxurious it was. And I was like, what? Like, no, like that's not, that's, that can't be true. It's kind of like the one time, uh, I ended up going to, um, I was supposed to be going to Sudan, which is like normal Sudan, except for there was horrible weather, uh, out in the desert. And we ended up making a quick pit stop in, in South Sudan. And I got off the airport and uh, uh, not in, uh, you know, we got off the plane and it was not but very normal overseas and, and specifically down like Central and South America. But you don't actually go into the terminal here. You mm. get off the plane outside and, and walk on the, the runway. And we, we never went inside. We literally just sat on the runway for like four hours until they put us back on the same exact plane and, and we took off. But I was like, what is going on? There's like a dozen uh, South Sudan military or militia or whoever with AKs hanging off them, just, just yeah. encircling us, making us well aware that we're not going anywhere besides those four porta potties they had over there for the 160 people that they had on the plane. You ever fly through Russia? No. I'm trying to think where else. Any surprisingly good airports in Africa? Mm. Morocco's very, I was very say, I'm nice. Sure Morocco's just because they got tourists. Um, quick pit stop in uh, Tunisia was very nice. It's not that way anymore. Morocco by far like the nicest. So. And then as far as like like uh, were you just stacking status or miles or? What was hit your, or miss your strategy? I mean, I guess when, yeah. you, when they're just paying to put you up front anyway, it's not like you're, you're trying to jockey for upgrades, right? No, but you still are because I mean, everybody's looking out for, for vacations and stuff that you can do with your family, but it really is based off of where you're going. And like, that's when I like, didn't really pay too much, too close attention to it before, but like all these, the airline alliances and like mm -hmm. the different pools that each, um, that each airline's a, a part of and you kind of pay attention to that. So it's all kind of coming back to the same bucket. But um, at the time, like, you know, I could, again, like I could basically get wherever I needed in Delta or a Delta, you know, yeah. 
aligned plane. Although if you were playing Turkish a lot, that's a star alliance. Yep. One, so you probably got, you know, some residual stuff there. I would think too, like you could, uh, that's the tough part about the, the Middle East carriers. Like they're not, they're not aligned. Right? No. They're, they're all independent. They so. do their own stuff. They're very expensive too. But you, you know, you probably got some worth it, some residual points hanging out and they all fly into DFW. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't know. Are we, are we planning on doing a, a Middle Eastern tour sauce? We need to go no, play but if the, you wanted to, you know, if you wanted to go the long way around to somewhere, <laughs> like, you know, I, dude, I literally thought like when we go to spoiler, alert, we're going to Europe at some point this summer, but like I, I, I looked at, it, I was like, you know what? I'm going to go, I'm going to fight through Houston. I'm going to go Houston to Singapore, oh. Singapore to, <laughs> to that with, why, with, why aren't with some you? miles or whatever, but it was yeah. like, like they don't even, you're so right about like, it's really, really easy to go East or to go East. It's really tough to go West and connect on that second leg going West, like going beyond Tokyo or Seoul or yep. Singapore or, you know, uh, shanghai like it's very much like everything everything kind of terminates there that's very true because that's where planes go and disappear (laughs) i wasn't going to malaysia well you never know thank thankfully um yeah i'm trying to think anything else we've got as far as uh you know i know we talked i'm looking forward at some point to getting back to the madison airport that place is oh awesome I've never, I've never actually flown through RDU, Raleigh. Is that good airport? Yeah, it's good. Everything that you need from, you know, what's small. We got two terminals, one Southwest terminal. The other one covers everything else, but it's great. Very easy. Phenomenal. TSA. Heavy, right? Yeah. Yeah. But you know, they're on their game with TSA pre-check and get in and out. No issues. Good parking. Do, do you want to say anything to Delta about, about the, the baggage situation in Boston? It was a tough very bleak scene. I don't know if that's a, a representation of Delta Airlines, uh, Logan, the airport, or just the lazy individuals that they had working there. I've heard, Maybe. I've heard some other bad, you know, bad things about. It's like, probably a combination. We're going to be yeah. there uh, next week. So we'll yeah. see. We'll, we'll see what actually makes, makes it's it a bad. focus city for Delta. They got to get this fixed gene. So trying to get any other airports we have, I don't want to spoil anything for tourist sauce, but you know, any other airports that we have kind of going, I get, I got some word the other day that the new Kansas city airport is, is humming along. Right. It is, uh, it is, you know, nearing completion. So our, uh, our source on the ground at the Denver airport and the upgrades that they have, he says that, yo, we're just not making any of these timelines. We're going to have to attack another like two years to this plant, which the new gates out there are sick. Like the yeah. ones at the end of B and the yep. end of, of A, those are sweet. It's just a matter of, yeah, like that. that did you airport, guys pick up a car from the airport or did you take the train into town? Yeah, no, it took, okay. well, we were going to take, Hertz was out of cars and then we got, Avis, so I got Avis. Avis was a disaster. Hertz is always great. I'm a big Hertz guy, just like my uncle Juice. And, uh, you know, like, but yeah, it takes forever to get from the, it's like Phoenix is the same way. Right. It right. takes forever to get to the rental car place. And then I don't know. Just like the fact that the fact that you can't take a train up to the mountains from Denver, just up to like Frisco or Vail from the mountain. Like that that I-70 corridor is so fucking busy. I agree. It's crazy. Completely uh, agree. We need more rail everywhere. Yeah. 
no, but, but like, especially there, you know, where it's like, all right, you're trying to be environmentally sensitive through these valleys and all that. It's just, it's crazy. Are you still adamant that the Denver airport is not a, there's nothing nefarious or, or conspiratorial going on there? No, I think it's just <laughs> a, sh- a very, very shitty, poorly, you know, forecasted expense that continues to just be an abomination. Crazy. It's crazy. Um, yeah, I'm looking, you know, so we're going to BMW championship in August. It's in Wilmington, Delaware, Delaware, only state in the country that does not have commercial air service. Really? Yeah. Wait, where are we flying into? Philly. It's like, you know, really? Yeah. Oh, um, well, that'll be fun. Yeah. And then, uh, they have badass else? license plates. So they do have badass license plates. Which, which I know you appreciate with your, uh, you know, your Montana roots. Absolutely. So what's the, what's the airport all the, like? All the tax havens. Where do you fly into? Kalispell to go see your folks? No, we go into Bozeman. Bozeman? Yeah. Kalispell is way too expensive. Really? Yeah. You go what? Salt Lake to Bozeman? Uh, or Minneapolis. Okay. Gotcha. Minneapolis is like a shopping mall. It's like an indoor yes. shopping mall <laughs> with a ton of moose everywhere, which is yeah. kind of sick. Yeah. Uh, and everybody, uh, everybody going through Minneapolis is like a status symbol. Like, oh, you, you got your fly fishing rod. I see, huh? You, you big fisher. You have a good trip. Yeah. Okay. It's like an amenity or like a little like you know accent piece, yeah. right? Yeah. So. Uh, all right. Well, good stuff. I think that's, uh, that should just about cover it. I think kind of a mid-year, you know, mid-year travel thing. It's, it's fucking crazy how expensive domestic travel is right now. Like booking. Not only that, but you touched like everything, everything transport, you touched on the, the rental car situation, like still massive, massive shortages everywhere you go. It's, it's insane how people like, what, how long is this going to last? Yeah. No, and I think it's you know, but it's, I mean it's crazy. Like the like the flight to Grand Rapids this week. Actually, yeah. I'm flying to Milwaukee, and then DJ and I are taking the ferry across. The ferry <laughs> is fucking expensive. I'm sure. Ferry is like three hundred and fifty dollars for the two of us plus a car. <laughs> it's crazy. I thought it was gonna be cheap, and then we booked it yesterday. I'm like, what the hell? So, uh, but yeah, and then you know, but just like you know, there or going to uh i'm sure going to kansas city at the end of this year it's like six seven eight hundred nine hundred dollars even if you're looking eight months out versus i think the uh you know europe flights seem like they're underpriced at certain days of the week in certain certain places at this point it's crazy so anyway i've already got my uh I'm, i'm almost to i think i'll be i'll have my premiere 1k locked up by like mid-august and i can fight delta the rest of the year and do like a status match and get platinum for delta for next year you got to teach me on how the whole status match thing works you i've never actually used it you can only use it like once per airline every i would assume like every five to ten years it's like a you know and then like once your name is in the system as having used a status match for that airline they're probably you know they're not going to let you do it again so you can't can't abuse it you can use it just kind of be as it exactly yeah you got to be very very because i think there's going to be a big i would anticipate like a they're giving out so many fucking bonuses for these credit cards yep. and everything right now 
and they're going to devalue all the miles again. Right. Uh-huh. I got like 600,000 United miles just sitting there. And I'm like, I'm telling Alex, I'm like, yo, let's book a trip to South Africa or New Zealand or something like that with these miles. Um, so I think that, and then also like, they're going to raise some of the, because flights have gotten so expensive, they're going to raise the, some of the thresholds probably for, you know, like getting, getting status or whatever. So just cause like, like on Delta, there's too many people with status or even like on United, like if you fly through Denver or, you know, Newark or like Dulles, it's like, like I'll be premier one K and I'll be like, you know, 12th on the upgrade list or like in, from like Jack's to Atlanta, there's people that are hopping on those flights at, you know, 7am. And like, there's a, there's a diamond, like highest status besides yeah. the 360 on Delta diamond. And they're like 62nd on the list <laughs> for an upgrade. But that's a, that's a reflection more at Jacksonville and the people that live there than anything else. True. Yeah. And like going through Atlanta as well, yeah. but like, you know, that's wild when like, there's so many freaking diamonds that, that they can't yeah. even get an upgrade, you know? So anyway, all right, well, good stuff, man. I'll see you in, uh, see you in Grand Rapids later this week. No, pumped. All right. Thanks everybody. Randy will be back uh, next week. We got some Wimbledon stuff to start talking about. We got Tour de France. We got NBA draft. We got NBA finals. So stay tuned. A lot of, lot of perfect clubs, book reports, all sorts of stuff in the hopper. So thanks for listening. Favorite trapper, the absolute truth, yeah, no joke. Who 